0: Juliet, Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, and welcome to episode 115 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we have our Crufts coverage.
1: It's actually giving me the will to live again. It's actually my knight in shining armour with a waggy tail. Plus, an interview with Nikki Mustarki talking about the Westminster
0: show.
2: I think it amazes first-time visitors when they go down and they speak with the dog owners and they realize that, yes, these are pampered show dogs, but they're also hunting dogs. They're dogs that do search and rescue work. I mean, these aren't dogs that are sitting around on a velvet pillow getting their nails painted.
0: But before all that, Karen Litzinger knows the joys of adopting an older dog because she has experienced it firsthand. I'll let Karen tell her story.
3: Well, I adopted um, Tika about three years ago, and that was following, actually, the death of two of my dogs within four months of each other, Pepper and Zep, and I knew I had to have a dog. I am a dog person. I waited a couple months and went to a couple shelters, and I didn't really... I, I knew that I wanted to get a little bit of an older dog because I had my Pepper as a puppy from four months, and it was wonderful to have had that experience. Uh, but I knew that older dogs have a harder time getting adopted, and and there are the realities of it's hard to do, you know, with puppies as well. And yes. and so, <laughs> so I was looking, yeah, for a I guess middle age <laughs> dog. What what would that be? I was thinking four five. Six and actually fell in love with Tika, who was 11 when I found her. So I was a little surprised, but I felt like, She chose me. She's looking at me right now as I'm talking (laughs) about her. I was trying to be all, you know, organized and going around the shelters and writing names because I wanted to maybe look at two or three dogs and go in the little room for the meet and greet. And I actually passed by her. Um, I think I saw her once and then I came back. I was going around and around. So the second time I saw this cute dog, and I pull out her paperwork, and I see she's 11. And I said, oh, you're an 11-year-old. That feels too old. And I went around again, and I pulled out her paperwork, still not realizing it was the same dog. And I'm like, oh, you're the 11-year-old. And I, <laughs> I said no, no again to adding her to my list. And by then, I went up and down um, with who I was going to put on my list, and I came back, and I I wanted one more dog. And not observant that I am. I pulled out. <laughs> I stopped at her cage again, not realizing it's the same dog I keep coming back to. Pull out her paperwork, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I like just, then cause she was laying there the whole time, and then she clip clopped up to the front of the cage. I just started crying. That oh. just, it was just. Almost love at first sight, but I'm, I have a logical part of me that I still looked at like two other dogs. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, and conveniently, of course, the shelter volunteer comes up. I mean, who knows how planned or observant they are? But they said, "Oh, we're taking Tika for a walk. Would you like to come?" <laughs> and and I did. And she gave me that look. When I was walking, her, she sort of turned around and looked at me, almost like you know, you're taking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it was wonderful, and I did say I, I and you know, and we can you know talk a little bit from my my previous background is that I uh, have some pet bereavement background too, and so at the time I'm thinking, oh, I didn't really want an eleven year old, and then I fell in love with her. I thought, well, for me personally. You know, who who can be better for her than a pet bird with <laughs> counselor, <Yes. laughs> but anyone could be it has been wonderful for her as a as a yeah. new, new home and new leash on life
0: yeah, yeah, so you know as you say that that does feel old to sort of take a dog on at eleven. so how did she take you know this new as you say new start in life? how did she take moving to your house and settling in?
3: Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually funny you you ask that because I tell this story all the all the time. I was at the back door where I'm letting her in. I open the door and she charges in, just like my other dogs used to charge in the uh. house. <laughs> yeah, you know, like oh, we're home, and she charged in. And she sniffed around a little bit, and I don't know if she went upstairs or not. But she sniffed around, and then she like. I swear, within two minutes, plopped down right on the old dog bed of my other dog, just like, oh, I'm home. It was amazing. And she actually was a very easy dog. I mean, my partner and I would be like, can you believe her? It's like she's been here forever. It was just so easy. And she was house trained. She knew how to use the dog door. She didn't beg. I mean, she was a little better than my other two lovely, (laughs) love, love dogs. (laughs) oh bless her yeah. so I mean um,
0: you've sent me some um, information through about um, older dogs um, mm-hmm. and sort of one. this is from the um, American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals so if anybody wants to go and look at this and we will have a link on, on the dogs, Dogcast uh, radio site to this mm-hmm. um, but that's sort of one of the things one of the points they make is it's just easier you know it, things like they're easy to train they're not a 24-7 job um they settle in quickly. It's easier in many ways than taking on a puppy.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not having to worry about them chewing your shoes or having his accents. I mean, there can be a little adjustment period. She had no adjustment period, but any dog that's in a shelter might have a little adjustment period. You don't have to get up in the middle of the night to take them out because they've got puppy bladders. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and they understand no, you know, because they, they, they've lived with humans. They understand who's in charge and and, um, you know, they know how to usually walk on a leash they they're ready, ready to go for, you know, whatever it is you might be doing, whether it's hiking or walking or just hanging out, you know, if you're not that active, I mean, if you're not a runner, you know, you, you might not want a puppy that you have to take out and walk multiple times. Uh, I remember when I had a puppy, um, someone told me this wonderful phrase, a good dog is a tired dog and a tired dog is a good dog. Well, <laughs> you know, you're not having to like wear out you know, your dog to get your life back. You yes. can have a normal, wonderful life from the beginning with a little mature dog. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously Tika sort of wasn't ready
0: to just retire and have a, a, a quiet life because you, um, you did therapy work with her,
3: didn't you? Yes. Yes. Right. I, 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 I actually, I think I got her in July, and we enrolled in dog therapy classes for the fall. I, I I had wanted to do that with my other dog whose temperament wasn't quite so good, and the second dog had great temperament, but I didn't want to take one dog and leave the other behind. And Tika was just the sweetest, sweetest dog. I mean, her notes, the notes about her at the shelter were just, you know, adorable, sweet, sweet dog. And she you know, did the therapy, and we went to two different facilities. So she's been doing therapy, dog work, for three years. She's, like, coming up and just knows she's being talked about here. It's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And she really was in such good shape. I mean, I still remember when I did the meet and greet in the little crate, you know, in the little meeting room at the shelter and then they took her back and I watched her walk I'm like she's got a little trot left in her (laughs) and she did I mean she was I had a hard time keeping up with her at the park I mean walking (laughs) I was keeping up with her because I was doing some off-leash walking and um, even now even three years later, it's fourteen, you know, on the way back to the car, um having a move, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she's fourteen now, and she's it sounds like she's doing really really well really she she has she's um really not had any health problems for the three years, although I did say when we chatted informally, she just started to have some things going on just a, a month or two ago, which you know that night we aren't quite sure what it is. It's like a little you might hear in the background her dog door she's <laughs> going in and out of um she had like a like a fainting kind of thing. I called it a seizure, but it wasn't a seizure. And we we're still trying to figure out a little bit what it is and it, it may be heart related, but she like gets up ten minutes after and walks around like nothing's happened. So it actually ha- I've pulled back her walks to be shorter and I actually have stopped her with the pet therapy because, you know, as my trainer said, you know, you always have to focus on the well-being of the an- your animal yeah. not, yeah. you know, the the clients, the clients were so sweet. They sent her little get well cards. I mean, even that is a gift. I mean, I was in tears when I got these get well cards they made for Tika. And I thought, oh, this is beautiful. You yeah, know? yeah.
0: Dubs really get under people's skin, don't they? They just love them. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's talk about some of the issues because, if, you know, as you say, there, there are some reasons that you would sort of maybe hang back from adopting an older dog, but, you know, let, let's talk about them and see what the the facts are about them because, I mean, one of the worries people might have is, you know, don't older dogs cost more in vet bills?
3: Mm-hmm, hmm Great, great. And, and actually, I was looking online, and, and it, this is a little bit of a gray area in that um, it depends on what age you're talking about. You know, puppies actually, this was from a PetPlace.com um, resource, it showed they're almost twice as expensive, especially the first year, mm-hmm. as as dogs. And now, um, sort of average, you know, age dogs. Now, there's probably an issue, when I read further, like, when you get about at to age eight, they might start to have a little more medical costs. Now, Tika really didn't. I mean, she just had her regular checkups, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, until just you know when she's fourteen, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you know she was just as healthy as as my you know three year old when yeah. she was eleven. Yeah.
0: So. I, you know, I just as you're saying that, I was thinking we, um my buddy, my Labrador is eight now, but uh and our, our star, Abishon is four now, just four. Um, but when she was three, she uh, ruptured her cruciate ligament and. Thank goodness we did have insurance in place, but that cost. Um, I'll have to work it out in dollars, and I will put that on the site at what it is <laughs> in dollars. But I wasn't
3: <laughs> even trying to talk dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, well, her, her cruciate ligament cost us two thousand pounds. You know, yeah, so yeah. I, you know, at
3: any age, they, yeah. can, you know, <laughs> they can. At any age, and so. I was just going to say that, Julie. You just never know. I mean, you don't. You don't know, and you could have an older dog that doesn't have any extra costs and I've. Quickly as with a heart attack, and you don't have any, you know, yeah. extra cost. You, you really don't. You really don't know. And um, but there's so many pluses to it that you know they're just you know so appreciative of having a second chance on life, and and you feel better. You know, I mean, it's it's funny because I was reading about this, and and I do. I feel good that I was able to. Take care of an older dog, and even my even the vet at the shelter said, "You know, what does this you do to adopt <laughs> an eleven year old?" Well, you know, I fell in love with her, and she's—I can't imagine life without without mm. Tika now. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very individual, but a lot of times the dogs do get written off. I mean, I was—I've um, seen some sites say that five years old is kind of the cutoff point. You know, like most people come in looking for dogs three years and younger. And, Mm -hmm. you know, five years gets to be kind of tough. And I think that there's actually, I found a site after you and I corresponded um, in, um, Britain called the oldies club. Yes, yeah. and they kind of use seven years old as as what's considered to be an older dog. So it, it varies what you might even consider to be older.
0: Yeah, do you know? I'm just as just seven is sort of the age where dogs can go in, in in showing into the veteran class, and so my dog is in my Labrador's in that category now, and yet. People are always astounded. They'll say, how old is he? You know, you say, oh, he's eight now. No, and they think he's sort of 18 months to two. And yeah. he is in such good shape. He's just got a, some grey under his chin, so it's not, you know, readily visible, readily visible. Um, but, there's, you know, he is in such good shape, and, he, you know, he can't be on his own in that. There must be some great dogs out there who, OK, yes, are a little bit older, but are still have so much life left in them. It's <laughs> <Some>, um. <laughs> you know people people can be missing out um let's let's address another um issue that you know a, a worry that people might have um now this is a suggestion um from the senior dog project and again we'll put a link onto this you know sort of people might be thinking will i be adopting someone else's problems you know why is
3: this dog in rescue
0: um
3: so what would you say to that well you Often, it doesn't have anything to do with the dog itself, but usually related to the person, you know, in terms of the circumstances. I mean, there are so many circumstances and reasons why the dogs become homeless. It could be, you know, a death, you know, of the owner or guardian, or someone doesn't have enough time for the dog, or a change in the work schedule, a new baby, or they've moved somewhere where the dogs aren't allowed Um allergies, there's, you know, all kinds of reasons that concur. And actually, Tika was surrendered because of, um, I don't know, they may have had two children, but this, one of the children had a disability, and it was apparently too much. And, 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 and what's sort of interesting related to this, just as an example of what is, not good for one person could be good for another person. If you might call a negative on the form, they said she seeks attention. And she indeed, you know, when I would be sitting near me, she she would kind of put her paw up because she wanted my attention. And I'm like, no problem. I'm happy yes, <laughs> to give yes. you the know, attention. It didn't work for that family, but... You know, it it worked for me, and so it's often about the circumstances and not usually about the dog themselves. Yeah, yeah. As
0: you say, some some I've had particularly greyhound owners actually, and I do like grey greyhounds. Um But one greyhound owner said to me, "Oh, he's no trouble. I don't know. I've got him." And I'm thinking, I'm being a lab owner. I'm thinking. What is the point of a dog that you don't know you've got? You know, I want to know I've got the dog in that particular, you know, issue. But as you say, we all like different things. So what won't work for someone will work for someone else.
3: Right, right. And I mean, and the whole thing is, it, it's you know, I know people who are faced with circumstances have difficult, difficult decisions, mm. you know, and I can't, you know, walk in their shoes. You know, I, I wish I could have let them know I adopted their dog because I know how hard, you know, it is and you're not able to to do that here. But, you know, I think some of the, what to say, the efforts and the mission in calling attention to adopting older dogs is really trying to value all life. Mm. And there's um, a site I was reading a little bit about called the Gray Muzzle Organization, you know, and, you know, their, you know, vision is about, you know, that no old dog dies alone or afraid and that they're not disposable commodities. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I love this other piece of, of looking at what, you know, the value of, Older dogs, besides that, you know, they're, they're not going to chew your furniture and they're already house-trained, and, and you know what you get. That's the other big thing is, you know, you know what size they're going to be. You know what their temperament is, which you can't tell, you know, with puppies. Yeah. You know, but what I, what I love about this is they're highlighting what older dogs can teach us. They can teach us about patience, respect, loyalty, and unconditional love. And I liked that. Um,
0: Mission as yeah. well. Yeah, that's um, that's lovely. I mean, one of the um, phrases that I liked was "save a life, be a hero." You know, and sort of by adopting an older dog, um, as you say, you sort of had to go back three times before you, you know, really knew that Tika was for you. Um, you know, and they do get passed
3: over in shelters, don't they? Apparently, they do. I mean, that's the thing, and I think even though. I think there's a trend to have no kill shelters, but you know they are often considered unadoptable because, and that's it's just you know why why don't they have the same right to have, live out their life naturally as everybody else does, and and so that's really looking at the dignity um, that we don't consider, you know. Mm. People dispose. Of it. I mean, it's also related. to How do we treat older people? Older people too. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's risk, there can and should be respect for for age in every species.
0: I believe. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Um, to bring it back to Tika, obviously, you would say that she's enriched and enhanced your life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yes. You know, in so many ways. I mean, she's just you know, another sweet, sweet creature that she was the right dog for me, you know, regardless of age. I mean, I have to say that regardless of age, she was the right, the right dog for me. Not that, you know, we can have a lot of right dogs, but she was adorable. And I think there's a sweetness about her age. I mean, there's a wisdom in her eyes too. And, and I just think maybe I'm projecting, but a gratitude, you know, that I feel from her. And, And a vibrancy, you know, it's, it's just fun when people say, Oh, I can't believe she's 11. I can't believe she's 12. And besides being a a pet therapy dog, I do want to say one other, um, accomplishment, you know, here she is, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. She actually has been featured on a uh, sympathy card, a dog sympathy card that an artist friend of mine who actually did artwork for the pet loss CD that I wrote, um, created when she was dropping something off and just as a photographer taking a lot of pictures and she just had is now immortalized (laughs) Mm. i've I've
0: checked that link out and she's gorgeous her eyes are beautiful yeah she is
4: she
0: is She is. oh she's beautiful um we'll put that link on as well um you've mentioned the the pet loss cd and we do have we've we've talked to you about the pet loss um, cd before but where can people find out about that um,
3: sure. My website that describes the CD is www.healfrompetloss.com. And there are other links there in addition to describing the CD. I wrote this. I referred to my two dogs earlier, Pepper and Zapp, who died within four months of each other. And I created the CD to help other people. I'm actually a licensed professional counselor as well. So it's Not my story, it's really helping people through the psychological pain and to know that it's normal and natural to grieve deeply because they're members of our family. And so there's a lot of, and some beautiful, beautiful harp music in the background too. And my site also has links to other resources, um, some internet chat rooms, etc. And that's www.healfrompetloss.com.
0: I mentioned Star's treatment cost almost 2000 pounds, and that works out to around 3200 US dollars. So thank goodness we had insurance. You can hear Karen in episode 110 of Dogcast Radio talking about her CD, Heal Your Heart: Coping with the Loss of a Pet, and you can find out more about her at her blog, healfrompetloss.wordpress.com. And I'm so glad that Tika found someone who appreciates her for who she is, despite her age. Crufts 2011 covered more than 25 acres of the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. We recently attended Crufts 2011. Indeed, my feet haven't yet quite recovered from all the walking involved but as i was walking around the show i met joanne lovell who was showing her cardigan corgis now i have to admit i'm not familiar with the corgi breeds either the cardigans or the pembrokes so joe set about educating me
5: two breeds two counties pembrokeshire Cardiganshire. pembrokeshire is the queen's corgi which traditionally was dogged, and they come in tries and reds cardigan corgi is longer traditionally was a welsh yard which is what corgi means, it's yard dog and they come in brindle, which shades very pale, right up to almost black you've got the brindle point try the red point try you've got the blue merls with red points or brindle points you can get a sable and there are other breeds that, you know, it goes on from there (laughs) Uh, um, but as you can see the variation in the brindles as I say, I've got one at home that's nearly black so, and you can get paler than him so, it is a beautiful coat, they really really they're cool. a very versatile little dog and they were designed what they were used for was driving the cattle from the Welsh Hills to the London markets. They will go all day and they're very rugged, very you know, they don't have the health issues of most of the modern breeds. You know, we have one problem which is PRA and it's genetically testable. And what's what's PRA? <laughs> Progressive retinal atrophy. Yeah. But, thanks to a DNA test we have clear breeding stock and that's what everybody should be making sure that they're buying a puppy from clear stock and if they don't potentially a puppy can be blind by the time it's 10-12 weeks old so
0: You've just said they, they drove the the, sheep, the cattle such a long way. Because so are they a high energy dog? Oh
5: no, they're quite happy to spend the evening in front of the fire with their feet up. You can either take them for a walk all day, or they'll be with you all day. They're not high maintenance, and I would actually say versatile is what you know. They're happy being part of the family. They love agility. Some people are now doing tracking with them. They are still. Some farmers are using them still as herded dogs, and an all-round family dog also quite good guard dogs uh, they will tell you if there's people around that shouldn't be Yeah. and I've actually got one living with my 91 year old grandmother at the moment and that's his job to say somebody shouldn't be there yeah. my aunt walks him but he's, he's happy living with her in front of the fire most of the day and getting his walks twice a day from, from a, a fitter, fitter relative yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you're making them sound a really good breed, uh, you know, sort of, they'll go with a, a, an older person, a family, you know, they'll fit in with you, but they're a vulnerable breed, aren't they?
5: That's due to the numbers being born. We don't have many people breeding them in the UK. Part of that, I believe, I'm new to the breed, um, I've only had them three years, but there were some breeders a few years ago that were giving them away, they could not home these puppies. And they are now more popular in Europe and in America. And I think in this country, if you look at what's popular, it's what's known, what's seen about. People don't know anything about them. And it's a real shame because they're such good. I mean, I got into them because my children wanted a dog they could walk. And from one, we now have
0: five. Chilled because we've got the two of them here. They're not making a sound. They're just happy to just. They have their moments. Like,
5: yeah, like most dogs, they can be. I mean, I always, I always laugh at them. I've got one at home that's very much switch on, switch off. If I put him on a grooming table, he goes to sleep. Put the walk, put the lead on him, and take him for a walk, and he's, he's, he's bouncy and he's happy and he's okay. out there. So they're sounding quite intelligent. I they are easy to train as I say they they like to be busy and doing things so when you're training them if you keep them going they're more than happy to do it all day now we're sitting here you've got Rosettes. so Tansy today hasn't had her best day her best day was two years ago when she went best puppy and breed yeah. um her, she did get um, a second and good system today and Comfrey, her son got puppy dog today
0: brilliant excellent and uh, Tansy's, um a special dog. She's so she's done a very special thing. So can you tell us about that: Yes. Last year, after she had her
5: puppies, um, there was a cry went out in the well, in the corgi world, to say, did anybody have a bitch that had milk that could take some foster puppies? And Tansy took the unusual step of moving out of our house and into the house that the puppies lived in. And she went on to raise seven Pembroke's,
0: two of which are now in the ring. Excellent.
5: Excellent. So they, they,
0: you know, there's no sort of they. They will mix with the other corgis. They're quite happy. There's no
5: these are, yes I mean, she just moved into somebody else's house that has got cardigans and Pembrokes and um, she claimed to share for her own and that was the end of that That, that's an amazing uh, testament to her character yes, she's a remarkably sound little girl Um, we haven't found anything that fazes her she goes out and teaches safe and sound to children she goes in the school playground and we take them pretty much everywhere with us because, being this size, they're more accepted by a lot of places. Yeah. They're not. They're not a little dog, and people shouldn't ever think that they're small. They are a short dog. Yeah. They are not a small dog. Yeah. I, I mean, th- it's, it's comparable. And not that they look anything like, but it's comparable with a basset to me. You know, that's, it's a big body. on... Size-wise, possibly, I would say they're probably the length of a good Springer Spaniel. Yeah. And they. I mean, the males can weigh up to well. I've got a male at home that weighs 18 kilos. They're not a lightweight dog that you want to tuck in your handbag. No, they're
0: not an armpit dog. <laughs> but they do like a snuggle on the sofa. Yes, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and um, just remind me if people want to find out about you on the internet.
5: Do you have a uh, there is the Codigan and Corgi Association, which lists all the people that are registered with the Corgi Association, and part of that is also making sure that we do our health testing. I also have a website, which is Liebhund, and that also covers my German Shepherds. Yeah. So it's not just these, but yes, they can be seen, and their families as they grow up. The photos keep
4: coming.
0: Joe's dogs sat as good as gold throughout that interview and were absolutely delightful. We have links to the Cardigan Welsh Corgi Association and to UK, and thanks to Jo for taking time out of her busy day to tell me about the breed she loves. They are a vulnerable breed in the UK and it would be a terrible pity to lose them completely. But while Cardigan Corgis may be few in numbers, the next person I interviewed has a unique dog. Here's Karen Ruddleston talking about her assistant's dog, Coco.
1: He's a two-and-a-half-year-old chocolate Labrador. Um, he's a medical detection dog from medical, the charity Medical Detection Dogs. And he, he was assigned to me, I have had disease, yeah. which is quite a complex um, disease, and it's a rare disease. Yeah. Uh, and it can be fatal if you don't um, get medical attention within half an hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, so what Coco actually has been trained to do is detect when the cortisol levels are actually depleting in my blood, Your body actually gives off a certain sense. So, what Coco will do, he will come to me, he will paw at me, he will lick me, he will push his head against me and just keep doing it and doing it until I actually pay attention. So, then he will go off and get my medical bag, which has my injections in. I'll give him a special treat because he has to have a special treat. Then he feels like he's fulfilled and he's done his job correctly. Then stay around me for about fifteen to twenty minutes roughly until he can smell this soda changing as to what he's been trained to smell when it's actually gone back to normal. And then he will be off playing like a chocolate labrador. Wow. That must be a huge- Actually, giving me my life back. Um, I must say, actually, Coco is the first dog in the world scientifically proven to be able to do this job. He certainly is, yeah, and uh, the charity is very proud of him. But yeah, he's given my life back. We, we go all over the place. As before, I was so embarrassed to go out because with me not having no warning system, the only time it's not like diabetes on Fed, you can't actually put your finger and discover that your levels are down. So, the only actual time that you know your levels are down is actually when you on the floor and you start vomiting and things like this and going into spasms and that. But people used to say when this happened to me, it's very, very embarrassing as you can imagine and I used to have to get an ambulance to get off to hospital and people used to think I was drunk which therefore I stopped going out because I never set myself up for the fall. But now I've got my early warning mechanism in Coco. Uh, we go all over the world. Uh, we was just in the States in October now, usually, as before, when I went to the States, I actually had to stay close to hospitals in cities, major cities. But this year, we actually went on a girly road trip, and we did uh, 12 states in three weeks, and I took him to Graceland. Wow, excellent. So he went on Elvis's lawn and everything like that. Oh, really enjoyed it. I bet it. he took it all in his stride. Oh, he did says yes okay that's his room that's his dining room this is his stables and he thought yeah he had a good look round, and, and didn't take too much notice i must admit uh, but he did enjoy it he did enjoy it but we actually went with a friend who also has an assistant and they know each other and they like bonded with each other and um, things like that so it's really good really really good And what the most amazing thing is we actually he was actually playing the dog was called Brook in our friend's house, and I was in a rocking chair, just watching the TV. And he was playing, you know, doggy play fighting, and with throwing toys up. And then the next minute, he shoots across the room. I'm sat in the rocking chair, and the next minute he falls me back <laughs> on my rocking chair, and I'm going like this. And Coco's actually my face rocking, and I'm rocking on the <laughs> in the chair, you know. So, so he's spot on. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, it is Labrador behaviour. I
0: mean, that reminds oh, me of my Labrador. So yeah. just wanting infection. So yeah. it must be such a challenge to get a Labrador
1: to do that behaviour for a reason. Absolutely. Coco, all the dogs that we have have this particular really extra high drive and that's what we need because these dogs have to persist and persist and persist and also when we're asleep in our sleep like people die the levels can drop so these dogs have to be able to actually wake us up as Coco will paw at me if I roll over and say stop it go to sleep will then be jumping on the bed and standing on the main, trust me 3 o'clock in the morning, dog <laughs> breath is not the best breath to wake up to but I wake up to it yeah. as you can imagine um, but yeah he's, that's his drive since I've actually had cocoa I've not had one since crisis so I've been hospital free now for nearly 18 months Excellent. and before that I mean, how, how often isn't it? Oh, it? It could be once a day it could be twice a day but then I can try and sort things out myself, but if it gets really bad, then it is hospital treatment straight away. And it was happening more and more regularly, um, and they were getting more and more severe. And of course, more you have, more damage to the organs, so then you encounter other problems as well. But um, he's, he's kept me safe and well and travelling. Yeah. So. Is actually giving me the will to live again. He's actually my knight in shining armour with a waggy tail. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, with Coco as well, he was a rescue. The family that had him, very, very nice family, but unfortunately, Chocolate Labrador's need a lot of time, a little bit extra more because they say they are the more zany ones of the yeah. family. Yeah. So, they actually donated him too. Um, and they never knew, well, they didn't, don- they actually said he was going into dog's home. Yeah. So, um, the charity actually tried doing a a career change for him and see how he went and he was qualified for doing his job when he was 13 months, he was fully qualified as an assistance dog when he was 15 months So, so and also we with Coco and his job we had to make sure that he was alerted and by that obviously with any detection you need the proof of blood results or any results you can get from hospitals and also from the doctors as well and um, so what we actually did was we took saliva samples um, from Coco, uh, from myself sorry, Um, when Coco alerted um, and then we sent them off to an independent laboratory, and he was 100% smacked by yeah. That is incredible that he, he can smell that. You know, I mean, obviously, other people can't detect any change in you, but he can. He can, yeah, because what, what we did to train him actually, we took um, samples of my breath and sweat on a special lint and we programmed him in to uh, the special scent on on the actual uh, lint and also we did like placebos where when I was well yes. we did it that way and when I wasn't well we did it what. Well. so he could actually tell the difference um, I mean if people like to google Karen and Coco actually watch some film of him training, some film of him actually alert him. And it's really interesting. And he is currently the only one in the world that's proven... Coco is the only dog in the world that is proven to be able to do it. Does the charity have a website? Yes, the charity does have a website that you, if people would like to look at. It's www.medicaldetectiondogs.org.uk. Brilliant. Thanks, Karen, and enjoy the rest of your Thank you very much, likewise.
0: The change that Coco has made to Karen's life is amazing, and I'm so glad that such a bubbly, fun lady doesn't feel unable to go out and about anymore. We have a link on the Dogcast Radio site to the video of Karen and Coco. Claire Guest is the woman who trained Coco, and I was lucky enough to talk to her too. I asked her if there are any other dogs she's training to detect Addison's disease.
4: We have a dog, actually, that works for a lady who's got um, Addison's uh, disease and type one diabetes. But the interesting thing in that case is it's a very complicated um, situation when you have both conditions, and, and the lady with Addison's has not got as severe a condition as, as Karen. But the dog seems to use the blood sugar as the marker in that particular case. Now, that's because there is a relationship between the blood sugars and the adrenal glands. So when the blood sugar dips, it tips off Yeah, the, the adrenal glands actually try and get... try. Uh, uh, in, the, the glands are actually controlling their blood sugar to some degree because obviously if you're gonna run and fight it's a fight or flight cortisol you need more sugar in your blood. So there's a very complicated mixture but we are now about to work with another client who has both Addison's and some type 1 diabetes and he has really quite severe Addison's disease as well. So it's gonna be really interesting to to, to know to find out what the dog uses as a marker there because the dogs are obviously using the most obvious marker I suppose the most obvious single signal that something's going wrong. um, and of course, in, in Karen's case, you know, she has the, 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 um, Alison's condition. And so her dog is, is, um, telling about cortisol levels. Well, that's what we believe. Yes. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's, uh... The, the proof really is in the pudding that, that Karen's health has been very good for the last year and a half. That she had no hospital admissions, and uh, um, we have done some uh, Karen Tech swabs, with sometimes uh, saliva swabs, where you can measure cortisol, and it's quite clear the dog is indicating 100% of the time.
0: It's just a fascinating field because, the, the um, as I understand it, the diabetic alert dogs detect a
4: problem before equipment Absolutely. can Exactly, and, 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 and we don't really know how that how that's happening. Basically, some, some people with very, very little diabetes have this con- continuous glucose monitors yeah. that they have that go into the bloodstream. And the interesting thing is that the dogs are picking up loads before the, blue, the glucose monitors. And for people with very, very little diabetes, like little Rebecca who... Um, um uh, has seven old Rebecca with Shirley. Her blood drops so quickly within a quarter of an hour from a normal blood to a dangerously low blood that the glucose monitors don't warn in time, but the dogs do. And the dogs aren't even having access to blood. Uh, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. How are they doing it? And the, the endocrinologists are so interested because they're saying, Well, how could this be how could this be happening? You know, how could this be the case? Yeah. So, yeah, so much you should, to learn.
0: You You've mentioned, mentioned Rebecca and Shirley there. Shirley is, is her alert dog. And yes. it's, I mean the, the um, we'll try and put a link onto that because the, the the film that she's done yes. is amazing, and her mum talks about yeah, it, you yeah, know. Right. And the little girl says, "I love my dog," and you know, yeah. your dog entwines with your life anyway. But yes. to have a dog that has given you know so many people their their lives back, to to you exactly. know to an
4: extent, it's that's amazing. And and it, that is exactly what they do. I mean, they they people out of hospital and, and and not only do they prevent emergency situations so these are the hypoglycemic episodes the addison 's crisis but long term they 're keeping people healthier and this is a major point because you know if you're if you regularly suffer from hypoglycemia then um, push people's you tend to run high bloods to try and prevent it so basically you keep your bloods high because you're so frightened what will happen if you're going to get low blood well these high bloods over a short period of time five to ten years cause huge damage to the body Um, amputation sight loss kidney damage um, heart attack so not only are the dogs able to warn people of these emergency situations but they're also able to help people improve their long-term health I mean, what a fantastic thing to do. I mean, it is just incredible, isn't it? Brilliant, brilliant. Um, Where can people find out more about it on the internet? Uh, We have a website, www.medicaldetectiondogs.org.uk, and that will take you on. If you're interested in the cancer detection, you can click onto a cancer page, or if you're interested in the medical assistance dogs, medical alert dogs, you can click onto that.
0: Claire mentioned Rebecca and Shirley, who were one of the five human-canine partnerships nominated for a Friends for Life Award at Crufts and you can see a video of their story by googling Rebecca and Shirley or by clicking on the link on the Dogcast Radio site. We also have a link to the Medical Detection Dogs site so you can find out more about these amazing dogs who give people their quality of life back. 2011 marks the 120th anniversary of The Crufts Show. Nikki Moustaki is an award-winning freelance writer, TV personality, pet industry expert and animal trainer. She attended the Westminster Dog Show both in a professional capacity and also as a dog lover. What I love about Crufts is that it's a welcome celebration of the relationship between humans and dogs. So I wanted to know if there's the same feel about the Westminster Show.
2: It definitely is a celebration of the dog-human relationship. And I think that people misunderstand that. Um, people that don't understand the Westminster or Crust-type dog breeders, um, they're not puppy mill breeders. You know what I mean? These yes. are people that love the breed, that care so much for dogs. And it really is a celebration of the purebred dog and, and what that can mean to to you as a person and to your family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love as you walk around Crufts, um, first of all, Crufts is a benched show, but also um, sort of impromptu picnics spring up all over the place. And you can just see people. I mean, it's a long time to be in a building, you know, at at all. But you can see people just sprawling with their dogs and sitting on the floor and sharing the benching space with them. And And it is quite a relaxed. It's a lovely atmosphere. You're right. They love their dogs.
2: It really is amazing. And I think people don't realize, Westminster is also a bench show. I think one of the only bench shows left, like Crufts. And I think it amazes first time visitors when they go down and they speak with the dog owners and they realize that, yes, these are pampered show dogs, but they're also hunting dogs. They're dogs that do search and rescue work. I mean, these aren't dogs that are sitting around on a velvet pillow getting their nails painted. Yeah. You know, these are dogs that do stuff with their owners, that sleep in bed with their owners. It's, it really is like a, like a wonderful celebration of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, how, give us a feel for how big Westminster is. I mean, do you have sore feet at the end of the day from walking around? You definitely
2: do. And it's hard to get to see everything. I always want to make sure I see every breed every year, and it really is impossible Madison Square Garden is a huge arena and it's where, you know, big rock stars like, like Prince or the Rolling Stones would play. And at this one time a year t- for two days, it's all dogs. So it's really cool to see the dogs are like the rock stars of, you know, the pet world at this time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it is an exciting thing to see. You know, I, I really like... Um, at Crofts there's a green carpet you know that the dogs are going out on and I, what I find fascinating is some of the breeds you can see that there's differentiation between them and you, yes you could judge you know maybe to my you know unqualified eye I prefer that one to that one but what I really like to watch is breeds like um a bichon Frise, where there's maybe you know 10 to 20 however many dogs lined up and to me they all look very fluffy and very similar and how on earth do you judge that
2: I know it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And 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 especially like if you look at the goldens, you know, they they're so similar and I I don't know how a judge would choose. I mean, I guess I guess I know conceptually how they choose, but to me, you know, by the time they get to Westminster across, they're all winners. Yes. They're all great dogs, you know, at that point. But you know what's kind of cool is like this year, for example, I love the poodles because I love the whole like pomp and circumstance of the poodles and poodle is just a great dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But there was a corded, standard poodle this year which you Mm. so rarely see and people were coming by and you know novices to dogs love to go to this show and so I was standing there taking pictures of this poodle and every single person that came by went oh my god what is that what kind of dog is that and I kept turning over my shoulder going it's a poodle it's a poodle (laughs) but it doesn't look like a poodle to everybody so it's Mm. it's really cool to see that stuff. Yeah yeah
0: I mean that is an interesting thing that you've said there because if you do Want to know about dogs, or you know a particular dog breed, or you you want a dog but you don't know what you want? A show like that is a great place to go to learn about dogs, isn't it?
2: I honestly think that's why a lot of people go. I think they go with the intention of I want a dog, but I don't know what kind of dog I want. But you see that a lot there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 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 Crofts, there's an area called Discover Dogs. Um, where there's, these these dogs aren't showing up on that particular day and they're there just to represent their breed and you can chat to their owners as well. I mean, Crufts is also... Um, there's, there's just tonnes of shopping opportunities and there's lots of information stores. There'll be charity stores and things. So is that similar with Westminster?
2: It is similar. They have a a vending area which is huge and you get all kinds of things little pins and shirts and things with purebred dogs on it. They don't have that discovery area and that would be really cool. They mm. should probably they should probably do something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's great because if you are, you know, they have all the um, breeds split into their groups and you can just wander around and you could talk to, you know, well, you could talk to every single one, but you can sort of talk to, you know, six to ten people quite in depth and get a hands on experience of that breed because there's some breeds, you know, we, we liked um, Leon Burgers until we actually met one and thought, wow, wow this is a huge dog, you know, do we really have the space? So it's, it's great from that point of view. It really is useful.
2: Well, it, de- it definitely gives prospective pet owners um, perspective on, you know, Leonberger, for example, is a fabulous dog. Until you meet one, it's 125 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, my gosh, is it going to eat me out of house yeah. and home? Or someone might say, this is the perfect dog for us. We have a lot of space. Yes, yeah.
0: So, yeah, it's a great idea. So um, you enjoyed Westminster then?
2: I love it every single year. I love the energy of it. the The energy is amazing. That's what gets me. Is that mm. from from the spectators to the to the dogs themselves to the people that are showing? Everyone is just is just on super high energy and loving every minute of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, that includes the dogs. Presumably, they they enjoy it.
2: I think they enjoy it. I mean, mm. you can kind of, you can tell that they do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you see them you know trotting around the uh, the uh, ring, you, you can just tell, can't you? This is their moment.
2: Oh, they know that they're on. But yeah. you know what's you know what's funny and what always gets me, I just love this is the the dogs that know they're pretty, like the poodles and some of the cocker spaniels, the really beautiful dogs, they um they're sitting in the benching area and they are literally just there posing and (laughs) and they know they're beautiful they're just like I know I'm beautiful admire me it's so so funny to see I love it
0: yeah yeah no I I must admit I do like to go around Crofton and it it, you know the bit I like is is the celebration of just all things dog and aren't dogs wonderful and don't they help us in so many ways um and, and that's it for me
2: well it's definitely a celebration of the dog as as an as a on a whole Mm, And the the so many things that they give to us. And it's really cool seeing all the pure breeds in one place because it really gives you an idea of how we as humans shaped these animals to be all of these different things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's new breeds every year,
2: aren't there as well? Yeah, it's really cool. I think Westminster had, I think, six or seven new breeds this year, including the Leon Burger. That was fun to see.
0: I always like to go and have a look at the new breeds at Crufts, too. We have links on the Dogcast Radio site to the Westminster show site as well as to Nikki's site, NikkiMustarki.com. And in the next Dogcast Radio show, you can hear Nikki talking about her pet postcard project and about her efforts to raise awareness of Nitro's law. different breeds have won the ultimate award of best in show at crufts but the cocker spaniel has won most with seven wins we had an excellent crufts 2011 and we got so much great material that we're going to bring out an extra crufts special show and in that you'll be able to hear an interview with the oldies club mentioned earlier on in the interview with karen litzinger Buddy and I were part of the safe and sound team, performing in the huge main arena at Crufts, and it's always a privilege and a thrill to walk out on that famous green carpet and be part of the celebration. I'm happy to report that Buddy did everything expected of him and, as usual, adored being amongst so many dog lovers. I'm also happy to be able to share with you the news that I now have a column in the popular UK magazine Dogs Monthly. So if you have access to one, do check out the Dog Days column right at the back of the magazine. But don't worry if you can't get hold of a copy. You can still hear all Buddy and My Adventures via the Dogcast Radio show and blog, as well as our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D O G C A S T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you, you can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is three one five eight four nine two zero two two. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code, and then four four one two one two eight eight zero nine two two. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word: dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny.
1: What is a dog's favourite city?
5: New Yorkie.